0: Till then I'm keeping my shine Keeping my shine, I'm just keeping my shine Track Guide Cross the Streams Podcast. Kip Ione here with you. Uh, my co-host and co-founder Kane is not with me again for this forty series. Forty series is kind of my my little uh, invention. When I turned forty on June seventeenth, decided to celebrate it by doing one of my favorite things: making lists. Uh, and th- those of you that know me, whether it's in coaching, personally, and work, and homework back in school, I love lists. I love. Categorizing things, listing things, ranking things, or uh, arguing about things. So 40 Series is a dual project of mine. You can read the lists of the categories I'm using. Like last week when we launched 40 Series, we did my favorite, most memorable games of my team. So like the 1993 NFC Championship game for my Cowboys or the Lakers winning the title in 2000 with Shaq and Kobe. Those type of games are uh, written as a list uh, with some explanations in a medium article for you guys on my medium account uh, but then the audible explanation on our across the streams podcast in the 40 series episodes this week excited this one it really took me down a lot of rabbit holes which I'll explain later in the pod but on Medium, you can read Forty Series Part Two: Video Games, uh, and then you're going to hear here later once we get started on this episode. Forty Series: Video Games throughout my life have been a staple. This is not because I live in my mom's basement still and only play video games, but I'm not going to lie to you, I put in hours, and so I wanted to go back through from the start of video games through where I'm at today, still playing video games. Uh, even though i'm 40 years old with three children a beautiful wife a full-time job a program to run Uh, but that's the subject today Uh, we'll hope to get Kane later this week i'm going down to vegas to celebrate my 40th with some close friends and my brother Uh, so we hope to get a pod back together him and i It won't be a 40 series it'll be something we come up with and get that back and posted but appreciate everybody reading the 40 series over on my medium and listening here here we go 40 Series is back. Kip Ione coming to you about two, three, two and a half weeks into being 40 years old. Feel great. Uh, wanted to continue, put on my Google calendar that every Sunday I'm writing the Medium article format for my 40 Series, whatever segment of lists I'm making. And then on Monday nights, like tonight, July 1st, once my kids go to bed, I'm taping uh, the 40 Series episode solo. And I got to tell you, like just if you listen last week, it's different doing this podcast thing solo. I got a lot of respect for guys that like do have the Radio shows or solo podcasters, like, you know, Colin Cowherd obviously comes to mind as a guy that I've always listened to, even when he was on uh, radio here in Portland, Oregon, moved to ESPN, and now is on Fox Sports One, and is the number one radio guy for, Spock, for uh, sports talk show. I don't know how he does three hours. I know he has co hosts and they interject some things and he has guests, but just talking yourself for a long time, even for people like us that like to hear our own voice, that's hard. Uh, so last week was about 38 minutes, I think I went talking about the first 40 series. Uh, my favorite teams games and had great feedback from people about it people asking Kip how the Lakers drop off the face of the earth and suddenly it was the Nuggets and the Cavs and the Blazers where is your loyalty and as I explained in the pod, ain't no loyalty to teams anymore it's the players wherever LeBron and Dame Lillard are that's where Kip is but that was a lot of fun I would say this week's edition of 40 series uh, talking about video games this has been awesome for me because in doing this I've had to, I tried to do the first round of lists for these video games in terms of just off the top of my head List out all the games that I thought that I remembered adamantly playing for hours on end, whether when I was little, whether it was with friends, whether it was now. You know, I'm playing this. I'm playing Injustice 2 at night when the kids are at bed and I got some free time to myself. Um, My 40 years of video gaming, I tried to put into a list and that was fun. But then when I had to go back and maybe remember the exact console certain games were on, or I had to go back and figure out uh, the exact name of games or check out the cover, the video cover, because that's where my memory took me was the video cover of these games. I found so many YouTube channels of these games where you can find people playing them and you're immediately like even if your memory is pretty good you are taken back you're transported back to wherever you yourself used to play that game the most. So for a lot of these man I could take myself either to the dining room slash Arcade Center at Canaanite House 1317 Bitteret Drive in Billings, Montana in the 80s and early 90s playing games in the blue room downstairs when our mom and dad finally kicked us out of that main room and made us go down there, shut the door because they were tired of hearing us yelling and screaming at video games. Or it was in college, like with my roommates in the dorms of Belknap playing Quake, or it was in my house 749 when all my teammates and I lived together and we were all addicted to a game I'll talk about later, all the way through Kelly and I's first apartment, our first house, our house now. Seeing people on YouTube, play the screenshots or the live video replays of them playing these games from Atari through Xbox One was the best time machine ever. So I'd encourage any of you out there that maybe you don't have the same games on your list as I do, um, but you have games in your mind. Just go to Wikipedia, click, type in list of, and then list the consoles. Let's say you're talking about Sega Genesis. List Sega Genesis games, and you will get every game they ever made you'll get a screenshot of the games and then if you YouTube that same game you're gonna get somebody somehow showing you footage of how that game what it looks like playing it not just screenshots like actual people still playing these games and that was so much fun so I highly encourage everyone to go out there and do it Uh, before we jump in the list I thought video games really fit in well with the 40 series theme that I'm trying to do um, because it's not its not to say, hey, Kip's 40 years are so much cooler or so much better or even so much worse than yours. They're just my 40, and maybe in going through these lists that I'm making, it jogs and jars memories in your head of, of your 40, of your 30, of your 20, of your 50, of your 70, however old you are listening to the podcast. It helps you kind of reminisce and see the steps and the little bullet points that kind of led to you being you. Uh, So that's been my whole goal with this. Obviously, it's fun for me for selfish reasons, because I get to go down memory lane and and see everything that's kind of contributed to me. Uh, But the video game one, I think, is really universal. The the favorite games one is probably more apt to you saying, Kip, I hate your Cowboys. I hate the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So I'm going to enjoy your list because there's so many losses on there. But this video game one, a lot of you out there listening, our loyal listeners and our our typical listeners, you probably at some point in time have been playing these games with me, and I'll, I'll weave some of you into these stories. As well. Um, But also, I do want to say I can think of, I'm not sure there's anything else that has really ever truly given me a break. And I know we all talk about that a lot. Like all of us, whether it's a break from, you know, I just really need some peace and quiet. I just really need, there's an app I got now called Headspace. If you if you haven't got looked in, look into it, it's on all the platforms, the Google Play Store, the iTunes Store. Um, it's, it's just a meditation app. You start off at like one minute and you go all the way through 30 minutes of meditations and they always are sending you a notification if you allow it on your phone that says, need some Headspace, need some me time. And I know all of us out there strive for that whether it's a break from our job for me it's like a break in the season or if hey you got three kids like we do and you just need a break from the noise of kids even when they're happy you need a break from the noise could be you need a break from your relationship not because you're mad or on the verge of breaking up or anything you just need some space away from that human you share your day-to-day with and for me some people I know always say hey the basket I watch NBA players or or coaches talk about the, the the break I get my heaven is always the court well you know that's that's great If it's the court, the field, that's awesome, more power to you. For me, a person that lives and breathes basketball, my life has been basketball, the court was never a break. The court was fun. Don't get me wrong. The, the court was maybe a release is accurate, but a break where my brain truly stops working? No way. And if you know Kip, you know, Kip's on hashtag team worry, uh, and the court's just another place of worrying. Now, when I was playing, maybe it was a little different, because as an athlete, um, you know, you get more engrossed in the competition. But even then, you know, I knew every tiebreaker scenario we needed when I was a senior in college to make the art the, the, conference tournament in the right spot. I knew you know odds or records and stats of opponents coming in when we were playing high school through college so there was always still your brain working and as a coach the court isn't a, isn't a, a break from anything the, court, the it's actually work you enjoy. Don't get me wrong it's not like I'm going to be a head coach every day and I go to practice miserable. I love it but it's not a break. The one constant in my life that's a, been a break for me is video games like I can play. Video games. I've always been able to, and, and not that, that I'm unique, but I can literally start a game, and especially some of these types that I'll, that I'll um, detail for you, and I can shut off KIP stuff in my head for hours easily. Like, there's a problem. That's part of the reason I try to check myself with some of these nowadays. Like, yeah, you got an hour. You got a timer. Go to bed. Because I will just go. Whether it's trying to, uh, like I'll detail in this, win a season in a sports game, conquer a level, beat an opponent in a fighting game, grab more achievements in like an action-adventure role-playing game, I can definitely lose time and day um and that's a good thing though I think because it does it is one of the few times I'm not thinking about the recruit that we're supposed to text I'm not thinking about the film I didn't get done I'm not thinking about the the kids dentist appointment to school to the drop off of the third at practice for the next day's schedule it is actually one of the few times my brain's not off obviously I'm not asleep but I'm not doing the worries. so this has been a lot of fun and, and then these games have absolutely helped shape me And I think kept me pretty even keeled throughout the time and other people have other adult versions of escapes um not that i haven't enjoyed a beverage or two but i definitely think video games have been the one constant so uh before i ramble on too much about the the vital nature of video games in my life uh let's dive into the list and i i started the list and the list itself is not like hey number 40 is the 40 best game i've ever played and number one is the number one best i just went chronological and on consoles because if you're like me born say let's take you i'm born 79 so you're if you're 76 through 85 you were lucky enough to kind of go through the golden age and modernization of video gaming, and you did it through not just ages and stages of your life, but you did it through the the advancement and the maturity of consoles. So for me, number 40 through 35 is all on the Atari. Uh, and if you take a look at the podcast graphic uh, that we put up for the image, you'll see the Atari is one of the ones I put on there because I know... A lot of you out there had an Atari, and when you had the Atari, when you were a kid, I want you to put yourself in that, you know, six to nine-year-old age range, the Atari was the sickest thing you had ever seen. Live images or going to games or watching stuff on TV, even movies, they held nothing to that, to at the time, what you thought was sick graphics, but now you go back and watch YouTube, and I've got stuff listed on here like Space Invaders, Demon Attack, Missile Command Pitfall, if you just go YouTube it and look at, I don't even, I mean, I might misspe- misspoke and misspeak and say 8-bit graphic. I mean, it looks like 0.8-bit graphics of what we were playing. I really want to focus on 40, 39, and 38 on my list. Atari football, Atari Super Challenge football. Um, those two games, Kane can attest to this and maybe in Vegas we'll get a talk about either on the pod or just sitting by the pool. Um, those two games we played religiously and it is like 3 on 3 football i think atari football is 3 on 3 on the te- on the game and super challenge football it might be 6 on 6 and when i talk humans on your team i'm talking about rectangles with little squares for feet and the color is not changeable, but what Kane and I would do, because we were in our the heyday of our Skyview Falcon football is the is the apex of football possibilities in our lives. So we would change the hue. You know, those little knob scrolls that you could do on the bottom of old TVs that would just distort your picture color. We would do that on purpose because it would change the blah. Yeah, I think it was yellow and black colors of the teams that it defaulted to on Super Challenge football. And we would mess with that until we got blue for Skyview. And then, whatever random color, the hue and the saturation did, if it was orange, then we were playing senior. If it turned into a green, then we were playing CMR. If it turned into a weird light blue, then we were playing Great Falls High. Like, we just did that every day. And, like, these games. You could run out the left side of the screen with your quarterback, and he would pop out on the other side of the screen behind the defense. So you had to put in the rule beforehand. You can't do this, the screen cheat because you just score touchdowns left and right. Uh, but those, those two really kicked it off. And then Space Invaders Demon Attack Missile Command, I can see why I love those because I felt like there was strategy involved, like how you went about shooting down the the space invader aliens. And if you know me, you know, I'm deathly afraid of aliens and always want to watch Independence Day type movies where we beat the hell out of aliens. Um, In Missile Command, you had to figure out the order with which these white screen, these white streaks on your screen were coming to blow up the square that was your city. And you had to put your dot there, like a Pong dot, and press the joystick, and that would shoot a missile to take out that white screen. But they kept coming down at random angles. So those were like, those were leveling, leveling up games, like level 39. You know, the screen would change colors, you'd get extra lives. Those were phenomenal. Um, and I also want to mention that the joystick game we had for Atari, we felt like we were the big deal because we didn't just have the singular like column. We had like the F15 fighter pilot joystick for the cockpit that had like the trigger pull, and we had two of those. And then one of them broke, and we fought like dogs over that one. It was like I'm not gonna play if I don't get to be the good joystick. And then the other joystick worked just fine. But if you didn't have the fighter pilot cockpit knob, whatever you call it. That was like you're not playing that day. Um, as we scroll down, we move into the Nintendo Entertainment System, the, the Nintendo that one you guys all know, the classic 16-bit. Or no, it probably wasn't even 16-bit. Um, that's a good thing I linked in my Medium article. Uh, if you go over there, I found um, on history.com of all places. You know, you think of history.com is World War One, World War Two, you know, Civil Rights Movement, something important. They've got a history of video games, <laughs> an entire article. I linked it there for you guys. If you go over to my Medium account. Um, and you can find out what the bit, like the bit graphics, um, how it uh, evolved, because I'm going to say it wrong on here. Um, but before I jump in there, there was a, a number 34 I had listed for the PC, my buddy Steve Baker. An old neighbor of mine, one of my early childhood best friends, he had a computer. And by computer, like nowadays, it's basically barely runs more power than a calculator. But at the time, it was state-of-the-art. And it had the floppy disks. And he had a game called, I'm going to say this wrong to anybody. As Navy family members out there, I apologize. It's called GATO or GATO, G-A-T-O in all caps, Class Submarine. And all you would do on there is you would go, you would read these reports, and then you would go hunt these ships in the submarine. So we would post up, his, his mom and dad had an office where the computer was, but you could turn the lights off and we'd put, you know, different desks and stuff all around us. So it felt like we were really in the submarine. And then we would just, there'd be a first mate and a captain and it'd be your turn to press the X button to shoot the torpedoes. And either you sunk these ships or they sunk you. And we, that game was half the reason I did sleepovers. That and Betty Baker's maple bars were unheard of. And that was well worth sleeping over at Baker's house to play Gatto and get the maple bars in the morning um anyway number 33 through 24 20, 22 actually 33 through 22 is all nintendo and kane and i were probably man i would say two or three years behind everybody else so we got i remember this from kane's godparents they, they gave us their son tyler his atari when he got a nintendo and when we got the atari it was like yeah we're in the big time but everybody else was playing super mario brothers On Nintendo, but we were just getting Ataris. Then, when he got tired of the Nintendo, we got that and he moved on to Genesis or whatever else it was. But so, when we got our Nintendo, man, it was like, mom and dad, they must have, they really worked some magic to pay the $85, whatever it was Nintendo was charging then. But those games, like Nintendo was the start of, you know, true, this is a problem, boys, you probably should go outside. Instead of playing these games, started with Tecmo Bowl. Kane was always better at Super Mario Brothers and like those, those adventure games. He could do it. Like, my wife is better at Mario Brothers on Wii. My son is good at it. My daughter and I are terrible. Like, I cannot jump on top of the marshmallow, marsh, the mushroom guy. When you're supposed to, I can't time the flow when you're Mario and you're swimming. I can't time the buttons. I mean, it's embarrassing. But everybody played it, so I had to watch people play. Like I've watched hours and hours of people dominating Mario Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo, going through little tunnels and leveling up. And I've watched it, and every time I kept, like, "You want to play? Nah, nah. When are we playing Tecmo Bowl or Super Tecmo Bowl? Uh, double dribbles on here." One of the first basketball games I think I've ever played. Double dribble was awesome because it'd do the little swipe screens. If you went to the hoop and jumped at the right time, it was an automatic dunk. And Not because the game would follow through, but because the game would do a cut screen to two guys in generic shorty short jerseys, either doing a layup or a dunk, so you knew you would get it. Um, I Also, when watching double dribble being played on YouTube, anybody had double dribble out there, if you remember, there was two corners where you could not miss a three. If you, got, if you got there without the other guy tackling you, you could shoot a three, hold it until you jumped all the way out of bounds or jumped forward to the lane. It was going to go in. Um, so double dribbles on here. The interesting one, one of the ones I always wanted, some of our best sleepovers with my godparent's son, Mike Boyle. We would do nothing but play. We'd have our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the height of their powers with the songs and everything. The early Saturday morning kids show. There was an adventure game on Nintendo. You could only be two turtles at a time, but we would play that game. We'd play a level. Then we'd put our – you know, I was always wanted to be – rap. Kane wanted to be Michelangelo. Mike wanted to be the Raphael, I think, and I wanted to be Leonardo. Imagine that. Kip wanted to be in charge. Shocker. I know. Uh, but we would play that level then in the house, then we'd come back and play the game, and we'd play that level in the house. We'd had to get pizza on those sleepovers because the TMNT, the Mutant Ninja Turtles, always ate pizza. So that was how we rolled. It was just – it was that. There was no question about it. We were going to play Turtles that night. I don't know if we ever beat the game. Honestly, I don't know if we did. Um, that was another one of those games where Kip was better in the uh, live action play than the actual game. So I let those two play a lot. And I watched and yelled and oohed and awed, uh and didn't actually do much contributions on the game. Contras on here, super Contras on here. If you guys know that, you know it's the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A B A B. Start to get the thirty lives, and you needed that in Contra. Uh, I still remember us fighting over um, getting the spreader gun that shot three flames uh, at at the same time. That was phenomenal. Um, Little League Baseball's on here, and I mentioned that one. It's at number 25 on my list just because I'm pretty sure Kane and I talked about it. Season one of the podcast, just I don't know what the segment was that we were doing. But that game is – I think we played that game so much it died. Like We probably did the old blow in the Nintendo cartridge trick so many times to get it to restart and restart its life, rejuvenate it. That cartridge was probably paper thin, destroyed by the time we were done with it. I was Texas. I think Kane was California all the time, and we just, we played that thing nonstop. One on here that's not quite chronological, Battletoads and Double Dragons. Is that 28 for me? But that was my freshman year of college. I know. Okay, what are you talking about? Nintendo is when you were like 9 and 10, 11 years old. I know, but in college, a person next door to my roommate and I, Scotty Furkawa in colonized room, a, a girl next door, she had a Nintendo. Like an old Nintendo that worked. And she had Battletoads and Double Dragons. And my teammate and I, Nick Lubacitch, we remembered this game. So we would go and we were bastards for this. We'd go over there, knock on the door. Hey, how you doing? I'm going to make up her name. Sally, how are you, Sally? Great to see you. Hey, uh, you got plans for the evening? Because if, you if you're going out, could we just sit in your room and play this game? And being the great, nice human she was... She always said yes. So we'd be in this poor girl and her roommate. They'd go out and do whatever for the evening. And we'd be in their room playing this video game until we beat it. I mean, we're 19 years old, freshmen on the basketball team. Not going to parties. Not doing anything remotely fun besides, in our minds, battle toads and Double Dragons. Uh, a weird one on this, Castlevania. That's one of the first games I remember watching people play. NARC is on here at number 23. If you remember NARC. NARC was like one of the beginnings of video games are destroying the youth of America. Because NARC, you were two uh, federal agents going after drug dealers. And by going after, you weren't investigating nothing. You were in full riot gear. You had billy clubs and guns. And you went after streakers, guys literally wearing trench coats that would streak. Drug dealers, you got hit with needles uh there was prostitutes in the game and you just killed everyone and everyone's bodies exploded like there was body parts laying around there was you got points for sacks of cocaine you busted for arrests you made but you didn't want to arrest because they weren't as worth as many points as kills so if you remember narc it started off in the arcades and then made its way to nintendo we had Narc. our mom had no idea what it was she saw it we got banned from it for a couple weeks and then she finally just said you know what you guys watch hamburger hill and born on the fourth of july i mean what, what are we doing you might as well play the video game uh, finally on there everybody knows mike tyson's punch out i mean that's who didn't play it although i would say i probably was better at it when it was out on the re-released versions uh later on when you could play it on in the modern times but it was it was still that version of punch out before we jump into 21 through uh, 15 on here, I do want to say that it's a weird progression because the growth and the like the, re- the birth of the video game the home gaming consoles, was the death of the arcades and the arcades? Kane and I and my buddies—we loved the arcades. Like everyone wanted to have their birthday party when we were in elementary school at Rim Ma- Rock Mall, Rim Rock Malls, Rim Rock Mall's, Malls. That's a lot to say, right? Tongue twister, Rim Rock Malls, Aladdin's Castle. Because if you went to Aladdin's Castle and you got your own room, you got your own cake, and then everybody at the party got a fat roll like the banks still get of quarters. And I mean, they were tokens, right? So, you would, and you were just listening. Everything was still 25 cents a game, or the good games, the new games, were 50 cents a game, not the 350 it costs now. Um, But Aladdin's Castle was the place to be. And then eventually that closed, and the tilt opened up at the other end of the mall. And the tilt is where, when Mortal Kombat came out and Street Fighter came out, everybody was playing those games at the arcade. So, if my mom wanted to go to the mall, we were like, yeah, we're in. You go to JCPenney, Montgomery Ward, wherever the hell it is, you got to go. Just give us two bucks each. That's eight tokens. And we will probably not even use them all because we're going to watch these older kids and probably young adults and creepers that are great at joystick video games fight each other in Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and watch them be different characters. And this is back in the day. Everybody knows you'd go up and if you were next, you'd put your quarter down on top of the screen next to the person who was playing, so they knew that they lost. You were up next. I don't think I ever played. Honestly, I don't think I ever played unless it was empty and I wanted to play the game itself. I we just stood around and watched. We absolutely just watched the games. Um, and so when Mortal Kombat uh, two came out, which is on my Sega Genesis list, number nineteen, and I had it at home, I couldn't believe like because I had all the, the book tells you all the moves. Like I wanted to be Jax every time. Kane, I think like Liu Kang. But to do all the moves, the book told you, like you could get the book that said do back A or roll B to do this move. How did those lifers in Aladdin's castle in the tilt know these moves when it was six buttons and a single stick? I mean, those were some epic battles. And that's also in the time when Mortal Kombat first came out and they were kick, you know, doing the finishing fatalities. And you know, those, those things were just dominating the world as far as poisoning youth But we had it at our house. Uh, Sega Genesis, obviously NBA Jam was huge then. People would play that at the arcades as well. NBA Jam, I I liked it. Don't get me wrong. But I never was fully on board because that was at the height probably of my uh, Laker fandom with Magic's team. But Magic wasn't on the game. So it was James Worthy and Vlade freaking Divock. And if you were a Laker fan then, there was nothing worse than having Vlade Divock as the representative. I would have taken Sedale Threat. For God's sake, um, but, but magic was out. You know when he got uh, when he made his announcement, his first retirement. So I I couldn't I couldn't play the game, and nobody wanted to play the game because I don't think Jordan was on the first edition either. Later editions, I mean, there was phenomenal editions of, of an NBA Jam. One on here, I want to give a shout out to our listen up co-host David Gunn. NBA Live '95 is on here, and NBA Live was the five on first five on five game that I can remember. On the Genesis, that's at number 20 on my list, where you could be any of the teams in the NBA, and they had up to about eight of the real players. So Live 95 for the Lakers had Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Sabalo, San, uh, a bunch of guys. They didn't have Shaq yet, or Kobe, but that was my squad. The Lake Show was my, one of my favorite teams, and David was always freaking Golden State with Latrell Sprewell, Chris Weber, Hardaway. They were loaded, and we would play seven-game series of that. And that was a real, like the quarters were eight minutes, um, and we would play just epic battles. Now, he's going to come on here on the next Listen Up and tell you that he won every single one of those games. Not true. Did he win a majority? For sure. Did he have Chris Weber, Latrell Sprewell, and Tim Hardaway and Chris Mullen, and my best player was Eddie Jones? Yeah, that's also factual. I had Anthony Peeler starting, for God's sake. But we played a ton of those games, so many of those games. And the whole key to NBA Live was could you push foul um, to go dunk. But it was the first game where there's actually dunks on people. They kept stats. So you'd you know, you'd be like, you know, Web C Web had 42 and 12, and I'd be like Eddie had 28 and 9, and it just went back and forth. Uh, so those were huge Street Fighters on there for us, uh, for the Sega Genesis. Uh, Narc was on that one too, with a little bit better graphics. <laughs> Before we jump into uh, later on when the consoles jump from the Genesis uh, all the way up, you know, into the PlayStation Xbox era, the number 14 on there is Atari Jaguar. And I don't know how many of you have any idea what the Atari Jaguar was. It didn't have a long life. Um, but I, it was one of those where you could go to video library or video action or even blockbuster when, you know, go and renting movies was still a thing. But the big thing you could do was rent the new consoles. Like you didn't own one, but you could get it for the weekend. So. This particular one, the reason Alien versus Predator on the Atari Jaguar sticks in my brain is because it was—I think I was a sophomore, might have been a junior, probably a junior in high school even. So this is '95, Um, and everyone I knew, all my friends, teammates, were going to the prom, and I was not going to the prom like entirely because I was exceptionally afraid of women was not about to ask anybody didn't know anybody I thought in my brain that would be conned into going to me in the first place so I was you know I played it off like nah I'm not going I'm taking a stand I would rather my mother rent an Atari Jaguar for me and my brother and Kane was like an eighth grader then he so he didn't have shit to do And we sat in my basement on prom night. My parents went out on a date night or something and were gone all night. They might even left us there overnight and they went on a trip with somebody. Um, And so Kane and I sat in the basement with pizza. Pepsi or maybe probably Shasta at the time and played Atari Jaguar. We had the Alien versus Predator game, which we could play two-player. We had an NBA Jam or something version and I think a football game. And we played it all night. And I, I've, I've oscillated that night between, man, this is sick. This is the coolest thing. And you are the worst. Everyone else is at prom. Here you are. But So that one <laughs> sticks on my mind. Um, before... PlayStation and um Xbox really took over. Number 13 on here, uh number 11 on here, I want to draw attention to. Number 13 is the Nintendo 64 and GoldenEye 07. And that was my sophomore year in college. And number 11 on here my the PCMS dos system and the Quake game was my freshman year in college. So back to back years, 98 and 90 late 97 and 98. Kip is at Willamette University, highly rigorous academic institution, playing basketball, collegiate basketball. But I'm telling you, my time freshman year was between dorm rooms playing Quake. One of the people down the hall introduced my roommate, Scotty and I, to Quake. And it was one of those first games where you could set up like a local net where you could play other people in other rooms and across campus. So we had like four different rooms of homies. That had the computer capable of running Quake, and you we like literally we would run we would get our homework done we we got good grades, uh, but we'd be in Gowdy Commons the cafeteria saying hey listen if we eat these we got at least two hours of Quake time who's in and if you weren't one of the first four to say yes it didn't matter if it you, was your computer in your room you were going to be watching for half that shift so it was a dead sprint I mean we lost hours of our life to Quake. And that was also when you could pause the game and type in and you could basically talk trash. And I didn't have the headsets yet like Halo, but you could talk trash and type it. And I remember getting in heated exchanges uh, with different people across campus who I did not know who they were. I mean, half the time we didn't even play the game. My roommate and I were the best players, but we could talk trash. Like I mean, I shouldn't say talk trash. We could type trash with the best of them and we'd waste an hour. I mean, it was Saturday nights. We're playing Quake. Everybody else is out probably doing God knows what, and we're playing Quake. Uh, The next year, my teammates and I had a triple. Um, Nick Lubasitz, Joe Carmichael, and I, and Joe had the Nintendo 64 with GoldenEye, and that introduced us to Bond, and Bond had the four-screen split. So Rockets in the Stack, for all you GoldenEye 007 nerds out there, Rockets in the Stack was our level, and Joe I promise you, I can attest to this, I never saw him lose a match. I'm saying, you know, the death matches, wherever they were called then, were to 10 kills. And I'm telling you, Joe, I very rarely saw anyone get to three. Because this guy would be sitting in our classes. Let's say him and I took, we took some writing class, writing in the disciplines class. And this guy would be looking over it and like, dumbfounded that he could actually stay awake through the lectures in this horrendous horrendous class where you just had to learn how to write in business professional versus career professional. It was awful. Um, And I like writing, hence the medium profile I have. And this class sucked. And I looked over and Joe was just writing. He is grinding away on his notebook. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I'm almost asleep. And he'd hold it up and it would be the map of a certain level on Bond and the spawning spots where you'd come back to life after he killed you, and the order in which you would spawn back to life once the game started. So once you got killed once by this lunatic, he was just gonna, as you try, you know, Bond had like a seven second countdown or something to be respawned, you would see his little character, his you know first person view, running to where you were about to be born, and the second you were born, there is a rocket was waiting for your mouth. To blow you up again. And he would cackle. Uh, my my One of my teammates, Nick, just stopped playing. Uh, I kept trying. I think I got one time to seven and got lucky. And he, I still lost, but I got the seven kills. Um, but I've, I've never seen the man lose. Like, if there was a Bond tournament, like, you know, League of Legends now and all the different ways you can play, if there was a 007, he would have been a first-team All-American first-round draft pick because the guy was on, unstoppable. Um uh, also in there, number 10, the Sega Dreamcast, short-lived, uh, never could break into the PlayStation and the Xbox market, but NFL 2K, that was the first, you could play obviously any team, it was a season game, but so our house, we had seven roommates total in one house, five of us were on the hoop team, uh, Two, one baseball roommate and another one my roommate from college, Scotty, and we bought this game and we started a season, and it was a 16 game NFL season. All of us had our favorite teams, and luckily there was real no there really wasn't really any crossover in the house in terms of favorite teams. So I had the Cowboys. Nobody else liked the Cowboys. Carmichael had the 49ers. Um, Bauer had John Bauer had the Redskins. Jason Searle had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Scotty had the Washington. Uh, oh no, John Bauer had the Packers, Scotty had the Washington Redskins, Carmichael had the Jacksonville group Jaguars, I think, at one point. Lewisich had the Vikings, but we played a whole season um, multiple times. And it was like scheduled. It would post on our chores board in the big in the kitchen where we wrote down who had to do what. There was also the game and the setting and the time for the kickoffs. I mean, it got real, real fast in there. Carmichael was doing things like putting Carnell Lake, if you can remember him. He was an all-pro safety. He was playing him at tight end. He was unguardable at tight end. He was just doing Carmichael things. Uh, Games would get heated, loud. Downey reset a season one year because his team was out of contention. He was sick of being out of contention, eliminated from the playoffs. So he just pulled the, oh, guys, guess what? The season's gone. I mean, he was almost dead to us uh, from that time on. Um, I did make it to the Super Bowl that year, lost to Carmichael with the Cowboys. I was the Cowboys. He was uh, the freaking Jaguars in Carnell Lake. Um, But 2K, I wrote a paper for nonfiction, my nonfiction writing class I took at Willamette uh, with Professor Long, who's now the the provost, I think, at Willamette, Carol Long. And I wrote a paper, got an A, and she didn't give out easy A's, man. She gave me some B's on some papers. It still pissed me off. But I got an A on, it was a study. Of our addiction to 2K. So I had interviews with every single roommate. I did, you know, I watched and took notes when we were playing. I wrote like a nine, ten page paper on Sega Dreamcast NFL 2K. And if you remember Dreamcast was innovative and I still think this should have been copied. They you had the remotes that are similar to what you have now, but they had a screen on them. So you could shift the play calling to your screen. And so there was no way the other person could cheat. Because even now with Madden and other games you play, you're like, man, you're watching my screen unless you play online. Um, playing in person is hard. You just assume the other person's cheating. So you had, and you could create your own plays, and it was simpler, and you would just have your drop-down menu on your personal controller that there was no way they could see. It was like being an OC and a DC uh, in real time. You just needed to wear a headset, and we probably would have wore the headset if we would have thought about it, uh, put beer down next to us, and we probably would have done it. So the Dreamcast, NFL 2K, had to make the list. So it comes in at number 10. Uh, Adulthood kind of starts for me in between number 9, PlayStation 2, and the Xbox. The entire NCAA football series. When that, by EA, when that went away, you know, with the college uh, likeness and who should get paid, who shouldn't get paid. When they stopped making that game in 2015, maybe 2016, one of the saddest days of my life. Because my close friend and college roommate, Jason Searle, and I owned... Every single one of those games. I'm talking from Bill Walsh in the Sega days all the way through the. We had every single one of those. And when we were, I mean, Kelly and I were engaged, living in an apartment. Searle was single and still driving every night to my house to play our season. He'd be the Ducks, I'd be Notre Dame, and we had to play each other's opponent on the schedule. And as much as I enjoyed that game, I recreated Kane's Montana State team—Kane, Joey Thomas, Jay Hackett, Scotty Turnquist. I mean, those guys were all. I mean, I recreated the stadium on there. Uh, we were big time. We, we won a lot of. Cha- we won a lot of championships against D1 teams that never really happened. But Searle is another one of those savants at video games. You know, those guys that can just figure out the trick that maybe even the gamers, the the designers of the game didn't even think about. This guy, I mean, I, he would put 130 on me regularly in this game. And like when I would go play other people, I'd dominate But I kept telling him, like, no, nah, there's no way you can beat the master because he was running what he called the system. And it was five wide. I mean, he was like Chip Kelly before Chip Kelly. And as a massive Ducks fan, he probably enjoys hearing this. Um, but the guy was unstoppable, and it was bubbles and goes, and he would try to teach me the system after he whipped my ass for the 19th time in a row, and it's one of those where I just kept coming back for the loss, because I just, oh, you know what, I only lost by 30, man, and I scored 50 points, and he'd be like, yeah, I scored 99, uh-huh, I know, but the, the Cougars of Washington State, you know, with Jason Gasser, we put up 50, and, you know, four guys caught caught 12 balls. And I'm talking, he's throwing for 700 yards, and I'm happy because I completed 30 passes for 300. You know, it's just, it's silly. Uh, But we played that game up until the final days. Even when we had kids, we were playing that game. Um, Halo comes in here with the Xbox. Um, kids in my class at McKay, when I was a high school teacher, assistant coach at Willamette, kids in my class kept talking about Halo. And then a couple of the other teachers that I was friends with, they started talking about playing Halo. And I said, what the hell is this? Halo 2. And I finally watched it at one of their houses drinking some beer. And I was like, I got to get this. And so then I, find, I got my game room at Kelly and I's first house before we even had any of the kids. And that's when you had the headsets. And you could get on there and play Snipers in the Citadel and the Sword of Halo where you could jump 40 yards and slice somebody in half. But keep the scores and you could have your own teams and groups. So we'd go on there and once again it would devolve into a 12-year-old's kicking the hell out of us. But... We are really good at cynicism and wisecracking jokes on the headsets, and we're making each other laugh. Uh, that got weird though, because you know it got more and more popular. There got to be more and more just disgusting shit being said on the headset. So eventually, I got to the point like I have have one now for my Xbox One. I don't use it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, it's usually nonsense. Anyway, it's not like it was when those Halo games first came out, and it was like hanging out. You wouldn't even like, hey, listen, you want the to Halo tonight? Yeah, you want to come over? Nah, I'll just stay at my place. Get on the sticks. Put on your headset and we'll play. From And we'd have, like, email threads at work as teachers. Like, What do you, what do you guys think? Get on about 9.30? Get on the sticks about 9.30? Get a couple hours in? It ended up being, like, four hours. And all of us are still playing the game. Um, as I got older and had the kids, the Call of Duty series took over on the, on the 360. All the Call of Duties. All the way through, I think I put on here Modern Warfare through Black Ops. They got a little crazy for me, but I always really enjoyed death matches and just, I just like scores. I like teams, I like scores, I like leveling up. I really enjoy changing the loadouts, all of you gamer nerds out there knows that means changing the look of your character, the accessories, the weapons, the guns, and in order to change loadouts, you got to keep winning and getting kills, so that's like me picking four jerseys for my team at Willamette, like if I could have six jerseys, if the AD would let me, I would, so that is an appeal for all those. When I first got back into like, hey, let's do an adventure game where you got to like get through levels was Batman Arkham Asylum all the way through Arkham Knight. There's like four of those games. And those games are unique because it's not just like you go in one straight line. There's like 40 different crimes happening that Batman has to solve. And you can pick whatever order you want to do them in. Um in one of how you do one could affect the other if you don't do it right so those were like revolutionary games for me there's another one on there later on when i got my xbox one middle earth shadow of war similar setup same game makers you have to go their strategy so it feels like i'm making a plan um also on there where my kids come into play number four number three number one nba 2k 16 through the present one whatever they're on madden 16 through the present my son lincoln and i play leah played it a little bit uh, but we we've played that series especially the throwback uh, teams the retro teams have been fun to play with Lincoln because he's a huge basketball guy and to show him like when I'm talking about the Lakers in the 90s or he wants to ask questions about teams that people talk about were great most of them are on the NBA 2k games you can go play with them you can bring up the players he gets a visual of it you can see the uniforms uh, him and I probably spend a lot of time in the start menus. You know, if he's going to be the heat and I'm going to be the blazers, we, we argue a lot about who's going to wear what uniform and what's appropriate. And we make fun of each other's choices. So, uh, yeah, he's a hundred percent my son. Um, there's one on here though, that Leah and my youngest Xavier love injustice, uh, gods among us and injustice too. So that's the DC comics, everybody listening, newsflash, shocker, Kip's a comic nerd but this game allows you to play like green lantern fighting wonder woman and bad guys it's but it's not a level game it's a fighter game you can fight people online you can fight it yourself leah is not a huge comic fan but she likes the game she likes to change the characters' outfits. She likes to kind of she plays this a lot with me. Xavier, it's like his chill time with me. He'll say, "Dad, you want to fight Justice League?" and we'll go post up. He tells me which character I'm going to be. He tells me what color of their uniforms. Just another one of those games where if you knock out enough Jokers, you can change Batman's look, and I love that, and he loves that, and you can unlock it. Um, so those are on this list at the end. Um, purely because there's so much fun for me playing with my kids and I never like my dad and mom would watch like they'd humor Kane and I and be like oh good job guys you won awesome and they'd walk out I'm lucky enough my kids are tech savvy enough the age they've been born and when they grow up um, that they we really do play video games together and that is uh, an underrated part of parenting I didn't tell you about: you can actually create your own video game partners. <laughs> uh, but as always, hope you enjoyed the list. You can read it forty through no, all the way through number one because obviously I didn't read off everyone over on my Medium account. Kip I own on Medium, uh, and we'll post this uh, audio explanation of it of our forty series on all our platforms. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, the podcast app with your iPhones, we're on Twitter, we're on uh, CTS Podcast on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere you want to be, like it, share it, hit me up with Kip, you're an idiot, that game sucked, this game was better, if you remember some of these moments, if you were one of the hundreds of people I mentioned playing games with me, I appreciate it, Uh, and I hope you enjoy those uh, trips back down memory lane. Cross the streams! content reminder the opinions expressed on the Cross the streams podcast are those of the host and the guests alone and do not reflect the opinions of the institutions universities or businesses that employ the hosts or the guests Give my.